0: point out maybe the obvious, uh, we've got a lot of folks in this congregation to which God has, has given musical gifts, and, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. Not all of them have been able to participate this morning, but uh, it, is, it is a wonderful thing for the rest of us to be led in that way. Um, last week, we, we kind of focused on uh, how do we respond to some of these really enormous themes through which we have been walking these last months. The cross, the resurrection, the appearances of Jesus to his disciples uh, after his resurrection, the ascension, the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost, the great commission to go and to make disciples of all nations. Uh, These are really the core issues of our faith, the core realities of it. And so how do we respond? And, And last week we were invited in, by way of the lectionary readings and the way they're structured, to consider Abraham as an entry point into our response, which is funny because Abraham lived way before all of these events that we've been talking about. But Abraham was called a man of faith. He was, he was how old when God called him to leave his father's house and his country and his kindred and so on? Seventy-five, right. Man, you guys were paying attention to that, huh? He was 75 when he left all those things to go to a land that God would show him. And he went in faith. It wasn't just intellectual assent to an idea. It was faith lived out in action. And Paul talks about how uh, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness, the essential element of faith in our attitude towards God. And of course, all the New Testament readings were backing this up. The four friends who lowered their, their friend, the paralytic, through the roof to Jesus. And Jesus looks up. And the first thing that he notices is the faith of those friends. And then he forgives the man and heals him. We remembered also Jesus um, as uh, he's going around through the country, countryside healing folks who come to him with all sorts of maladies. We see um, also in that story uh, where he calls Matthew who responds in faith and leaves his tax booth. We see uh, the, the man who comes to Jesus and says, my daughter has just died But if you come and lay your hand upon her, she can be made well. And as Jesus is going to heal this girl and raise her up out of death, a woman reaches out and touches the hem of his robe. And she is healed and he turns and calls her daughter and then goes and raises the girl up from death. All of these stories reinforce this attitude of faith. Faith. Is essential, but I want to point out before our scripture reading today a line from Hebrews chapter 6. New Testament. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 6 calls us to this, to imitate those who have gone before us who by faith and patience inherited the promises of God. By faith and what? Patience and here to the promise of God. Can you imagine what the theme is this morning? I'll make you wait for it. <laughs> Practice some patience. So our scripture again comes to us from Genesis. It's again a story of Abraham. It's the next stage of the promises of God coming to him. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. It's the story of Abram and Sarah being visited by God and being promised a son. So hear now the word of the Lord. I want you to listen carefully and listen well. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes. So they said, do as you have said. And Abram went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. May we grow in faith and patience before you this day and always. Amen. So Abraham, a man of faith, yes, but Hebrews 6, after it calls us to faith and patience, the imitation of those who have gone before us, immediately introduces the example of Abraham. Hebrews 6. Faith and patience, then then it talks of Abraham. So, perhaps there's something there that we can receive from him. Abraham is promised by God in these stories from Genesis a few things. He is promised land, isn't he? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He is promised family. He who has no children at this point is promised a family that will number so great they will come to be a nation. And he is promised a name. I will make of you a great name. Abraham, of course, we talked last week, believed in God and acted on that faith. And it was counted to him as righteousness at the age of 75 and And yet, these things unfold over a long time, decades more before these promises arrive. So I want us to think for a moment about how Abraham received the promise of that land, with patience, the promise of that family in waiting, the promise of that great name over time and without pressing beyond the places to which God had called him. So first, let's think about Abraham Abraham and his um, engagement with the land that God had promised. Last week, we heard that Abraham heard these things, and so he went. Remember? That was the line. He went, he believed, and he acted upon that faith. A, A challenge to all of us, that when we believe something about God and about what God has called us to, which is warranted by the word of the Scripture, and held in the tradition of the fathers and the mothers of the church down through the ages, that we ought to act on that. We ought to act in these ways. And so he went, and he went, and he journeyed down from the land of his fathers into the land of Canaan. And do you remember what he did first? It says that he set up a couple altars. He first went to a place where um, Bethel was on the west, Bethel means house of God, and I was on the east, and he built there an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. That's the first thing he does when he goes into that country, which has been promised to him, he worships. And then he goes from there, and he journeys a little further, and he comes to Shechem, and he builds there again an altar to the Lord. And he worships God in that place the first action that he takes upon acting on this promise is to worship God. This is sort of like that trip we took to Nicaragua not long ago, where they were looking for a space to occupy, a, a land that, that, that would be theirs, so that they could gather youth in that place and engage them in the the club and speak to them of Jesus they were looking for a space to occupy and what did they do they went to the next neighborhood that they thought God was calling them to and they began to pray remember at that point we were reflecting on some of this and said boy when when I feel like God's calling us to something often what I tend to do is just start acting on that but my actions aren't actions necessarily of worship and prayer they're me doing what I can figure out to do based on whatever capacity I have. It's a different orientation. But what we see Abraham do is a lot like what we are seeing folks in Latin America do. So Abraham Abraham goes. He builds these two altars. I was reading this week a bit about Abraham and his particular journey there. Something really interesting, I'd never encountered this before, I'd never heard this before, it was new for me. Abraham went, he built these altars, and I'd always sort of wondered about that line from last week's passage, which talked about Abraham went, and he took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, his nephew, and all the people that they had, quote, acquired in Haran, the land where he was from. And I'd understood this really to be something like, well, at that time in the world, these are servants or uh, bond servants or even slaves perhaps. Though slavery looked different than we typically understand it um, in our present moment. And this was just the people that he was taking with him. But that word, there was some engagement with that word acquired. And the word in Hebrew is actually a word that means either to do or to make. And the conversation around this word was that Abraham was essentially an evangelist. Now, don't picture Billy Graham. He was a man who was leading people to God. And this word to make, the writer argued, was a better translation of that word than acquired, which means to possess. He had made these souls Quote, Souls who believed in God and trusted in Him. He had gathered a people who were worshiping God together with Him. And so when He goes and He builds these two altars, this isn't just a moment of private worship, which is how we as Americans think of everything, because we think of everything as private and individual. He goes there and He leads the three to 10,000 people they estimate were with Him. That's a big worship service. <laughs> And they come to this altar, and they, they have a, a service of worship before God. This is what they do when they come to this place. But interestingly, the same writer was talking about, um, he called upon the name of the Lord, being perhaps, better translated, proclaimed the name of the Lord. This writer is making the argument that, Mo, that, that Abraham is a man who is leading, yes, his family in worship before God, but also a man who is proclaiming God to others. And so he goes into this land that God has given him. And what does he do? He worships God and he offers God the faith and the action and the service of his family and the people, even as he proclaims God to this nation to which he has come. And we see, as you look through the narratives of Genesis, and this is where it begins to, the argument begins to take hold. I think they called Abraham um, a prince of God in that place. And over time, you see these different sheiks coming to Abraham and offering him tribute, coming to Abraham and beginning to worship the God that Abraham worships. We see him. We see an act of conversion taking place in the land. People following Abraham into this new land, worshiping God and proclaiming that faith to others who also begin to worship God. Isn't that that interesting? His first action upon being given this promise is not to go stake a claim for himself, but to go and stake a claim for the Lord and to proclaim the Lord to others. We know that Abraham could have fought for the land. Sometimes when we feel like God has given us something, what do we want to do? Well, you want to take it. We want to claim it for ourselves and we want to defend it against anyone else. We know he could have done this because when Chedorlaomer, who had several of the kings in that area uh, paying him tribute, came and fought against them, he took Lot, Abraham's nephew, and captured him and took a bunch of folks prisoner of war and and took them away. And what did Abraham do? He raised an army and he went after them and he conquered Chedorlaomer and took all of his family back and those who had been captured, he set free. He had the capacity to fight. Abraham's not just there, him and Sarah and Lot occasionally. This is a big group of folks. But he didn't do that. God had promised him this land. He goes and he worships God and he waits until God chooses to give him the land. And here's the twist. Because we see that after he conquered Chedorlaomer, or defeated him, he was afraid that he would gather a group and then come back against Abraham. And Abraham was talking to God about this and was nervous about it. And it's at that point when God reveals to Abraham that he will come to possess the land through his descendants, through his family. His children will come into possession of the land, and this is how it will be given to Abraham. And so he's gifted the opportunity to see a little bit deeper into God's purposes and plans for him and for his people. Um. Faith and patience, yes, this can apply to us at any point, at any time, but it, it's not, it, it hasn't escaped me that given last week and, and, the, um, and the vote of our congregation that we believe God has called us to something of a new land, right? And yet within that, there's also going to be a waiting because our, our possession of that will not come for maybe another year. That sounds hauntingly familiar given this passage. It's, it's pretty neat. Last week it was about faith and now it's about patience and these things just seem to be God speaking to us. So how do we wait patiently for something God indicates is, is now a promise to us? We worship. It's what Abraham did, isn't it? We worship. We don't rush in Grabbing hold, we worship. We offer our lives, we offer this place, we offer everything back to God. This new land to which he's called us, that, that caught my eye 10 years ago when I was thinking about a congregation to serve. A new land we're being called to. What do we do here? We worship and we proclaim God to other people. Abraham waited patiently for land. He also waited patiently for a family. The name Abram means exalted father. Today's Father's Day, isn't it? Uh, somebody said, Father Abraham. What's the song? Have many sons, and many sons have father, Ab-, right? Exalted father, but how old was he before he had his first child? You I mean, think about being called exalted father your whole life, but having no children, right? A constant reminder in some ways, constant confusion in others, perhaps, wondering. And then God gives him another name, Abraham, which means father of a multitude, still yet no heir. This is the one example perhaps that we have to notice Abraham when he did not exercise patience always. And in this way, I think we can also relate to him because who among us does that? Uh, Leslie's had COVID this week. Uh, I've been caring for my kids since Tuesday.
1: Um, (laughs) And... uh, (laughs)
0: Yeah, I texted, Wally texted me this morning. He's going to be with Jessica's dad today, and, and Wally sent me a message, and I said, yeah, I think the sermon might be for me tomorrow. <laughs> I've not been as patient as I wish that I had been. And so I can look at Abraham and say, well, you know, Abraham, hearing these promises from God, being patient in some ways was not always so, and at Sarah's encouragement now, there's this whole... Um, uh, story and aside with with, with Hagar and Ishmael, um, but eventually there's God's word to him again that it, it is not through Ishmael that God's promises will be carried out, but through Isaac. And we come to our passage this morning, where he receives three visitors, one of whom he calls the Lord. And if we talk about the faith of our of our fathers, the early church fathers, meaning the early bishops of the church, as they read and engaged with Scripture said this was Jesus who came to Abraham, bending the way in which our mind processes time and space. But this is Jesus who comes face to face with Abraham. Jesus who Abraham serves. Jesus who makes the promise that he will have a son. And they'll call his name Isaac, which of course means laughter. And the laughter of incredulity was transformed into the laughter of joy and celebration when Abraham received the promise of God. He wasn't always patient. But he also waited for his name to be made great. Uh, a name in the scriptures has to do with character and glory. Character, who you are, who you are, and glory. Glory the degree to which you reflect and represent the glory of God. And Abraham received uh, both of these in a sense in which it was growing over time. When he first came to the land of Canaan, again, the scholars based on the, the size of the army he sent after Chedorlaomer uh, estimate that he had 3,000 to 10,000 people with him. He was already a wealthy person. He was already uh, a person to whom many looked to as an authority. Uh, he lived in tents, Yet, yeah, yes, but in those days, uh, tents were something different than what we take camping. Yes. These were pretty magnificent structures. Indeed, uh, when God had a house built for him, the tabernacle, it too was a tent. Wooden walls, gilded with gold, and so on. So he has, I mean, think how many tents you would have to have to house this many people. So he comes, in a sense, with glory already and a name already, but we see that begin to grow as he starts building these altars to God and worshiping God in these particular places, which will become really significant for the entire history of God's people Israel. Bethel, the house of God, is also the place where Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob flees from his brother Esau. Remember that story? And as he does, he comes to Bethel. Now you know what that place looks like. There's an altar there, a big place of worship that has been erected and stands, waits for people to gather there and offer sacrifice to God. Jacob comes to Bethel and that's where he lays down his head and he sees a ladder extending from the rock all the way into the heavens and angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. So he has this great vision and then again here's God's promise to him. Bethel again and again shows up in the story. I won't go into all of them, but it's an incredibly significant place. And as he sets up these places for people to worship and proclaims the name of the Lord, others are coming to worship God and understand Abraham to be a prophet. He began as a sheik who then can proclaim the name of God and lead people in worship. But eventually he comes to be known as a prophet. And typically, we think of a prophet as one who proclaims the word of God. And yes, that's part of it. But this means prophet in the sense of being now part of the divine council a human being that God will actually consult for things. That's actually the destiny of Christians, by the way, that we become part of the divine council. Some of the angels abdicated those roles, and now God is raising us up to we, where we will be part of the divine council. And Abraham is as a prophet of God. You might remember um, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham speaks with God and God speaks with Abraham. And Abraham says to him, hey, if there are but 50 righteous people still in Sodom, will you not destroy? If there are 20, if there are 10, right? And he's, he's consulting with God. God is taking... His advice in one sense. He's honoring his, uh, his hopes for this place. Abraham becomes a prophet. And you can see how, as a sheik perhaps, having many people around him, he might have some sense of earthly glory. An earthly name. But then this becomes something of a priestly name. As folks no longer look just to him, but in some capacity through him to God. And then eventually... He is raised up so that his name receives such glory that God consults with him as he makes decisions in the world. This didn't happen with the snap of a finger. It took a long time. And so our call this morning as we reflect on the story of Abraham is to just do what Hebrews 6 calls us to, to imitate those who have gone before us and give us an example of faith and patience. Patience. These are those who inherit the promises of God. History is riddled. Your own life, mine, is riddled with examples of times when I have seized after possessions where I have seized after a name or my own glory in some sense rather than waiting for God to bestow His gifts upon me or upon you or upon us. But as a Christian, as Christians, we're called to patient living focused on worship and the proclamation of God's name until God acts in such a way to lead us into a new land here in Newland with a good heritage. I see a lot of kids showing up these days. And to share in the name of Christ. That's what we look forward to next week as Josephine receives a new name is given the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit faith and patience can you do that can we strive together for that let's do in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen